Hey everybody, this is your co-host Philip Mackle. Welcome to the Doing the Thing podcast, where we do just that. Doing the thing to help you overcome procrastination and build a legacy of wealth and success in your relationships, in your career, and in your business. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Doing the Thing podcast. Uh, today we've got a fellow veteran, uh, Chris Leaving. Uh, we like to call him uh, a winepreneur. Uh, he's also active duty. But we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about his business, what he's got going on, and how he's kind of balancing that nine to five with a, a full time business, basically. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey guys, uh, so excited to be here. Uh, Love connecting with both of y'all, and uh, I'm super excited to, to talk about wine. Um, obviously, that's something I'm passionate about, and uh, just love digging into that. So, yeah, man. I just, you know, I want to say that. Yesterday and today for many Americans has been intense, right? And so I think there's nothing better in the world we could be talking about right now than wine. Yeah, and for, for context, for those that are listening to us right now, this is the day after the 2020 election. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it, and wine's got a really strong historical context. Like, you know, I don't know the history of beer. I don't know the history of liquor, uh, but I am fairly, you know, somewhat familiar with the history of wine um, after reading several books and stuff and uh, and just like wanting to know more about, you know, how wine can, can, kind of came about. I mean, wine has been involved in everything from war, diplomacy, you know, politics, like it has an ingrained history into that. So I think it's really timely for, for us to be talking about wine. Wait a minute. Wine was involved in war? Are you saying like uh, a war was started after people got a little bit boxed on a bottle? Is that what you're saying? Well, so the Roman army used to give out wine to its soldiers uh, to drink because a lot of times the water wasn't safe to drink. And so that's what they would drink is they would drink wine and instead of uh, water. If they drank water, they would get dysentery, get some, some other sort of bacteria, infection, whatever. Uh, so it was really only safe to drink wine back in those days. So dual benefit. You, you stay safe and, you know. You don't feel those stabbings from the swords as much. <laughs> yes, coming, coming from somebody that was uh, stationed in Italy for about three years, I have a, I've grown a very fond, you know, kind of taste for lots of different types of wines and lots of different stuff that you, you probably don't see a lot in America. You know, so that's that's kind of why I like most about your your little your wine club because you know you get to expand everybody's horizons a little bit more. Yeah, I mean that's really what drew me to wine. I, uh, I guess I'll tell, I'll tell one real quick story about I guess what really got me into wine in the first yeah. place, and uh, that was probably around 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, I had first, uh, so I grew up pretty pretty typical background. I guess as I I see it, you know, everyone's got their own different background, but grew up in Texas, went to school, uh, got my commission, uh, moved to Fort Carson for my first unit. Uh, deployed to Afghanistan, came back. And then when I got back, my dad actually had business in Colorado Springs. So he would come visit like once a month. And uh, when you do that, he'd take his employees out as like a little, you know, mini celebration and like, hey, it's it's relationship building. It's like getting to know your people. And uh, when we go to dinner, he would order a bottle of wine. And what he would do is he would look at the wine menu and then they'd, the waiter, waitress, whatever would say, hey, would you like the sommelier? Would you like this or that? He's like, no, I want so-and-so, I want this uh, because I know it's going to be good. I know it's what, you know, the table's going to want uh, when we open it. And when I saw him do that, I mean, like, I'm just a, yeah, I was a grown-ass man, but, like, still, like, looking up to my dad and, like, man, I want to be like him. 
one day. I want to be able to order a bottle of wine with confidence um, and just like be able to ha- exude that that confidence in wine uh, someday. And so that's really like, kind of where it all where it all started and where where it kind of you know planted that seed for me to start learning more about wine and growing in that in that field. You know, isn't it interesting how the seed of entrepreneurship grows from sometimes the most random of places? You're having dinner with your dad. He orders wine, takes charge of the table. I assume the wine was the right fit for the night. And you're like, you know what? I want that expertise. So, uh, Chris, we're going to learn a lot about you, right? You've got a uh, you've got a wine club. You do coaching for wine brands to connect them with consumers. But let's talk first to people like me who like wine, but are wine novices. Let's talk about what recommendations you have for us. Yeah, I, that's and that's really what I'm hoping to do. You know, I, I try to tell people, I, I try to help them find their wine home um, because I don't, you know, it's not about, yo, you got to buy my wine, you got to buy this person's wine. It's there's a diverse set of options out there. And uh, the whole industry is, is working to help people find the right wine that fits them, whether it's their wine or someone else's. And so if you're, if you're, you know, someone that's uh, haven't tried wine yet, or, you know, you've tried entry level wine from the grocery store or the local bottle shop, I think that's great. Um, but I would offer to you to give a little bit more higher, higher price point a try. Um, if you're maybe in the 10 to 15 range, maybe move up the 20 to 25 range. It doesn't take a lot to find a good bottle of wine. Um, and then also start, uh, start going to places like bottle shops or, or wineries or, you know, local taste rooms, wherever, and start building rapport with the person who's pouring and picking the wines, start talking to them, start asking them about themselves and how they got into wine. And then, um, ask them what they recommend. Once you've built that rapport, they're going to start making awesome recommendations for you. And it's going to just create an awesome experience, whether you're drinking the wine there in the shop at, you know, the tasting tap room, whatever, or if you're taking the bottle home to enjoy with friends. Yeah, that's all. It's, it's all about the experience too. I, I like the experience of drinking wine. Um, when I was in Italy, going to, going to vineyards, going to wineries and things like that with your friends and stuff, you know, you could a- really attach it to something a little bit more meaningful than just having a drink. That's right. You know what? Beer is beer, <clears throat> right? I like going to the breweries too. Yeah. When I'm laying wood flooring, nothing's better than a cold beer. I like to do, you know, home improvement and beer, but beer is beer. Liquor has a purpose, right? And that's usually, you know, you're going for the buzz. Let's be honest with one another. We can call it anything else, but that's the angle. But wine is in fact an experience, right? And from the opening to the breathing to that first taste and beyond, it is an experience that's meant to be savored and appreciated. So I'm hearing you say like, hey, if you're getting that box, maybe step up from the box, right? Yeah, definitely. And if you get the $12 bottle, step up from the bottle. But where do you go from there? Yeah, I, that's, you know, you, it, there are some amazing stuff at $12. Um, Robert Mondavi, uh, I'm sure most people have heard of Robert Mondavi. Um, he makes an excellent uh, series called Private Selection. And uh, they make this stuff. It's uh, aged in rum barrels, or sometimes they'll age it in uh, whiskey or bourbon barrels. Oh, and, it, and it's purely with the intention of getting people who drink, you know, those sorts of things to try wine. And I think it's, it's a great concept. And I think we need more of that stuff in the industry. Um, but, you know, if you want to kind of change, have a different experience and start thinking more about drinking a glass of wine as an experience and less about the 
simply the act of drinking a wine, uh, then, you know, let's, let's move, let's move you up a little bit. Let's go to that 15, 20, $25 bar range, which is, you know, around, around where my bottles of wine I price in the club are. And, uh, because once we get to that point, it's, it's the, the options for what we can do just opens up immensely. Um, below the $15 mark, you're, uh, you can find some good stuff, but you're limited. You're limiting what the winemaker, you're limiting what the vineyard manager can do and, um, you know, what they can do. But when you get to that $25 mark, you're there, there's a lot of stuff that they can do to create craft a bottle, bottle crafting experience. That's going to be a little bit more, uh, particular and a little bit appeal to a specific palate. And then it's just a matter of trying wines until we find what you like. So you're kind of a wine matchmaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good way to put it. They call it a yenta, I think, in the Jewish culture, right? But <laughs> you're matching. So do you, I'm curious, do you go through like an interview process where you're feeling out people's diets and preferences and all that? How does that work? Um, good question. I, uh, it really just started with my friends. You know, uh, we'd go out wine tasting and we go to a wine bar or something. And, um, and my, my friends, my friend Barb, uh, she's actually here with, with me right now in school in the program I'm in. And uh, she'll just like look at me and be like, tell me why I'm smelling. And I'll be like, okay, uh, dark chocolate, prunes, dates, uh, candied fruits, you know. And uh, she's like, yes, how did you know that thing? I'm just like, I-, I can't explain it. Like, this is just, this is what I enjoy doing. And I've smelled a lot of glasses of wine. And I just love being able to like let my imagination run and see the possibilities of what's in the glass. And that's, that's the other piece is going, once you kind of, have a basic understanding of just not just science, but what is going in into how the wine is making, you can start to see like the little things that's going on in the glass and makes you understand how that glass was made and why it's tasting the way it, it tastes. But uh, to answer your question, you know, it's, it's just talking to people and, and hearing, you know, what they like, what their apprehension apprehensions have been with wines. And as, as I'm building this club, I'm really just trying to learn what my people like. Um, I tell people like, I want your honest feedback about the wines. If you didn't like it, I want to know because I want to make sure that the next wine we pick is a, is an all-star and it's something that you're going to like, and it's something that you're going to want to brag to your friends about. So give us a, uh, some more details on the club. Like what, what is it, are some of the value points that you're, you're giving to you know, your members and how are you sending out uh, wine, how many bottles all that good stuff? Yeah. So just, we've got just one offering right now. And, um, that is our, our standard club, which, uh, <laughs> funny story. The club technically doesn't have a name yet. Um, I, I wanted to show people that you could launch a wine club without having a name for it. Uh, because I think so many people get wrapped up in, Oh, I have to have the logo down and the yeah. colors and, uh, I have to, I have to have a name for it. And like, I want to show people like, look, I, I launched this thing in 45 days. Um, I went from idea to, to launch in 45 days and Ooh. you don't, you don't need the fancy branding and marketing and everything. You just got to know what you're doing. And, um, and so it, it, for right now it's called Chris's wine club because I couldn't think of anything better, but it's going to have its own identity here soon. And, uh, at some point we'll rebrand and everything and it'll have, uh, its own, uh, unique experience. But I think a key, key point is, you know, I go in and I pick one white, one red every month. Um, I pick wines based off of one, the seasonality. What are we doing that year? You know, time of year. We've got Thanksgiving coming up here soon. So I went in, I picked a Pinot Noir that's going to pair excellent with Mm. Turkey. Um, we've got, you know, the holidays coming up next month in December. So I picked some great stuff that's going to go with like a prime rib or, uh, some other heavy meaty dish. 
you know, some ham. And uh, it's, it's taking things like that into account and then knowing, knowing my customers, knowing what they like. And then um, the other key piece is, you know, when you traditionally buy a bottle of wine, you walk into a liquor store or a bottle store or the grocery store and you look at all the labels and you're like, man, I like that label because you potentially yeah. don't know what's on that label, what's in that, that bottle. So I kind of want to flip that, that script on its head and connect the people who actually made the wine with the people that are drinking it inside the club. So every month we have a monthly wine member call where I'll bring on the winemaker, the wine proprietor, somebody cool. If I can't get them, so I'm not going to be able to get them every month because some of these places are, uh, they're, they're hard to get a hold of and that's okay. So I'll bring on a celebrity or uh, I'll bring on a personality, just somebody fun that we can all enjoy, have a good glass of wine with and, and have a good time. So that's your virtual wine events. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, when COVID happened, I started doing a virtual happy hour slash wine tasting where I'd find local brands and we'd bring them on. Um, and we were doing that every week on Fridays, but kind of as things kind of, the situation kind of changed and states started opening up. And uh, really for me, it was becoming a lot of work. And that's, that's really where the idea for the wine club was born. It was just so much work to go in every week, connect with a local wine brand, uh, send an email out to all my people and say, Hey, join the, you know, uh, Hey, go this link, buy the wines, uh, and everything from that specific producer. So I wanted to find a way to streamline it and uh, make it less work for me. But, uh, as, as y'all know, we, you, uh, solve one small problem, you just create 10 more in its place. And so, uh, it, it's just a labor of love of, you know, creating a wine club out of a problem I was solving for myself. Yeah. Get, come back to the name equity, Chris, because I, you know, I would argue with you that perhaps you don't have to change your name from Chris's Wine Club. And I'll tell you why. Number one, <clears throat> there are other people who have branded themselves with their name. Yeah. Um, but number two, <laughs> and I won't mention any Tony Robbins. Uh, <laughs> your name can be con- uh, synonymous with a brand promise. And Absolutely. when you slap the name Chris, whether it's wine or charcuterie, if I said that right, or if you branch out the chocolates or do all of the above, this is how Chris does it. So I'm not so opposed to that, my friend. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. And this is something I wrestle with. I'll be honest. It's something I think about a lot. Um, but I, I also, I did want to use my name. In, and so, and so I, when I created the company, I called it K. Levy Wine Co. K. Levy Wine Company, you know, um, because I kind of wanted to craft a, a high-end experience. I wanted to position not just the wine brand itself, but my personal brand which I think is a core piece to any business you do um, and make that a part of the story. And uh, I point taken, you know, I don't know if Chris's wine club is what's going to be called for the long term, but for right now it's what we got. Love it. Yeah, it works. It works. So I want to ask you, cause uh, just coincidentally, I have a very good friend who I do some coaching with uh, and he's down in Australia and it just so happened that, I met him, we was working for a different company, that company didn't work out, and then he landed in this phenomenal uh, opportunity. So he's doing sales and marketing with a uh, wine brand down in Australia, and he's mentioned to me that one of my goals is to bring that brand to the United States and reach consumers here. Don't give away your secret sauce by any stretch, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, great question. I. Um... So Australian wine is something I have dabbled in. It's something I want to know more about and want to study more. Um, it's delicious. I say it, it is. Uh, they've got some great, some great Malbec, some great um, Sauvignon. Actually, um, it's it's just really good stuff. And uh, I, I like to tell. So 
uh, in my wine club, I like to say, you know, I'm telling the great American wine story. Um, and that's, that's what really what I try to focus on. But I have got a passion for international wines. Um, and, you know, as you're, as you're making something, you have to kind of hone in on what your niche is. And for the club, it, it was great American wines. But I think for him, what he needs to focus on, if he's going to try to bring an, a new Australian brand or really try to ramp up, you know, the, the presence that they have in the United States or try to gain market share, it's, it's really focusing on the experience um, and getting a feel. Come over, to, come over to Napa. Come over to Sonoma. Come over to – not even that. Go, go to these small, like, wine regions up in the Finger Lakes area, up in Michigan, up in upstate New York. Even North Carolina has over 241 wineries in the state. Go to those places and then watch the types of people that go in and out of those tasting rooms. Watch – look at how Americans, like, buy wine. Um, go into the grocery stores and see how Americans buy wine in the grocery stores. Go to where those customers are, learn the market, and then take that idea of what the avatar looks like back to Australia and then make the wine to fit that avatar. Too many times people make wines because it's what they like or that person likes, mm -hmm. and they forget about the customer at the end and keep it focused on the customer. Brilliant. Yeah. <clears throat> It's kind of like that, that passion fallacy. It's not always appropriate to, to work towards your passion, but maybe work with something that fuels it, you know, and, and that's like kind of matching your market in a way. Um, you're, you're an active duty guy. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit is because, you know, Phil and I, we work with people in entrepreneurship all the time, helping them make that transition and stuff. Most people don't aren't in that position to leave and start full time. So how do you do it? How do you do the nine to five while, while active duty and, and balance, you know, the business? Great question. Um, <laughs> I, I like to say I spend 50% of my time managing my time. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. just thinking about, you know, how do I array uh, stuff throughout my day, throughout the night, throughout the weekends? Um, and, uh, one of the things I recently did, I, I moved, I, I was getting too caught up and, you know, this is this event I, I said yes to, and I'm going to always hold up my commitments, but, uh, I'm moving stuff like this and, and connection calls and just time to chat with people. I'm moving that all to one day of the week. Um, and, and, you know, optimizing my calendar, you got to find ways to, to optimize your calendar and, uh, create opportunities because you need that downtime. Uh, you can't be running uh, full steam ahead 24-7. If you don't have that downtime or that time for you to focus on yourself, when you're going to get burnt out, you're going to get out of shape, and then uh, you're going to lose your creativity because, yeah. for me, it's when I have that downtime that I think of my best ideas. And so um, you, you got to think about how you spend your time. And, and another thing I do is I, I categorize uh, – I kind of categorize my – not just my process, but – uh, how I think and like the kinds of ideas I get. So like if you go into my iPhone, you go into notes. I mean, I've got probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of words and notes. Uh, I've collected over the past <laughs> 10 years of having an iPhone or whatever. And yeah. uh, what, what I learned is that I, I would just go in there, just happenstance and just write something down and there's no organization, no nothing. So what I did was I came up with my own system. So every time I get an idea or I need to do something like, hey, uh, this person would be a great wine club member. I need to talk to them. Or, uh, you know, I think we should do this type of wine next month. Or, you know, this would be a great post, great content. We should write a blog post on that. Uh, I just go in there and I, I have everything that, all the types of ideas that I'll get, you know, I've got a, a place for all of them. So that way, when I go in, I can make a quick decision. 
all right, this is what the bin that this idea goes into. And then I can go back and revisit it um, at a later time of my choosing where I can evaluate ideas for whether we're going to move forward with some type of execution plan or not. You've like, you've invented your own CRM, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A wine pillar CRM. It. Yeah. There you go. Uh, patent, patent uh, oh, trust me. CRM is something I think about a lot too. Uh, I've got a, I've got a pretty killer idea. I think after this whole wine club thing takes off, we're going to, we're going to build a, a new type of CRM because that's what I found is there's not, there's not one thing that does it all. So, uh, we gotta, we gotta build that. Yeah. You know what, Chris, and, and <clears throat> I really want to underscore what you said, because I think it's really important for listeners. Give yourself downtime. Your best ideas come when you're not trying to have them. You know, I, you don't know this about me, but I've been working on a novel for most of my life, six years. Um, and when I was in the developmental stage of that thing, 3 a.m., right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when everything comes. 3 a.m., you wake up, you're like, I know, he should do this. And then, you know, forget the rest of the night of sleep. But that's what drives people that have an entrepreneur spirit or people that are writers is that creative process. And the minute you overwork yourself, you're putting that at risk. And that's putting at risk the best things you could possibly do for yourself. So I love what you just yeah. said. It, and the yeah. person that the person that's going to make it in my, in my book, whether they, they win or they lose or they, they succeed or they fail, the person that's, that's going to make it and, and feel successful from that is the person that once they get that idea, they go write it down. They take that action to actually, and, and don't just let it leave. Um, I like to say the, the three second rule, I picked this up from somebody, I can't remember where, but, You've got three seconds to write that thing down and report it somewhere. Otherwise, you lose it. Especially when you get old like that's me. Point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, man. You, you use, I, I use Google Keep, and I kind of do some of the, something similar to you because it, you get like color-coded like note, note tabs in there. Yeah. Like I use purple for the podcast, green right. for the business, right. you know, whatever, right? <laughs> and I'm putting in notes, like same things you guys. Like I wake up in the middle of the night. I like, I got to put this on here right now. And, and – but, you know, those things will stay there freaking forever unless you get that out of your head, actually off of that note tab, off that notepad, and you actually tell it to somebody or you put it into action. It'll never go anywhere unless you do something like that. Yep. And that's, that's where some people kind of get into that, you know, analysis paralysis, especially when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurship. They're always going to think about it. They always have, like you said, they always have to have that perfect label, the perfect branding, the perfect right. this, that. Everything has to be perfect before I start. Like, how about you just start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I took, I've gotten so many nasty grams from my people for the past month because like I, I don't have my own branded packaging. Like we've just got a typical cardboard box and uh, I, I just wanted to move fast. I wanted to get wines in people's hands as fast as possible. And we just didn't have time to do a mock-up of some, you know, cool looking subscription box, like looking box and everything. It's just, it just wasn't feasible for if, especially if you want to bootstrap something uh, you're not going to get to full concept until, you know, five, four or five, six, seven iterations down the road. Yeah, but getting back to branding, right? <laughs> As you get into these labels and you go through the research and development, yeah. you get a graphic artist and you have to have it printed and all those other things, that adds a layer of expense to your business that then gets passed on to your clients. And what's in the world is wrong with being labeled as a cardboard box? This is what we do, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You can build equity in any brand. And again, we have some examples. I'm thinking Pet Rock now right? 
<laughs> so I don't, I don't hate the cardboard box, Chris. <laughs> Just give me the wine, man. <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends that like absolutely refuse to try wine. Like, oh, it's nasty. It's gross. And then I have some other friends that are like, I only like sweet wine. I'm like, gross. Listen, how, do you, how do you talk to folks like that to expand their horizons a little bit? I would argue that they just haven't had the right experience yet. Yeah. It's, it's not the right wine. It's just the right experience. When you, you go to a tasting room, you go to a winery and uh, somebody greets you right when you show up, they take you straight to the table or whatever. And I'm talking, you know, I'm talking past all COVID and everything right now. Like I'm talking kind of in, you know, in the past or hopefully the, the future we get back to, but um when you have that customer journey that just comes along from when the second you arrive at the wine, the second you see the sign for the winery to when you're leaving the door as a new wine club member for that winery uh, and you've got that all mapped out, uh, you, how could you not have somebody that's going to like your wine? And so for people that have said, you know, I, I don't like it or, you know, I don't like this or that, or it's uh, they only like sweet wines. Um, you know, or are you buying the, you buying the box wine? I mean, you know, what, what are you getting? Like, what kind of experience are you creating? Are you drinking at home by yourself? Because that's not how wine was meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be enjoyed with friends. And, um, and so I, I would say that they're probably just hesitant to uh, invest in an awesome experience and open their minds to, to being able to try something that could change their life and potentially could change their business. Nice. Yeah. I like that. You know, I really like how you're tying it to that, that experience in those, in those relationships, because how could you not, how could you not like something if you, if you had a good experience, especially, you know, culinary or, or a drink or whatever. Um, I, I think they do that a, a little bit more so with breweries in, in America. Cause you don't, you will like you said, there's so many vineyards and so many wineries out there, but I bet you a lot of people don't know about them. You know, so it's like just bringing that awareness out there. That's probably just as difficult as expanding somebody's horizons a little bit. Yeah, dude, in my little town of Ramona, California, I think we have 29 or 32 wineries that have opened up over the past 10 years or so. And we've become a destination. And these things are like right around the corner for me. And before COVID, yeah, I mean, Turtle Rock had an amazing sangria, best I've ever had. So we would go there for that, right? And Pinot at the, uh, the name escapes me, it doesn't matter, but everyone had their signature dish, if you will. Um, yeah. And part of the fun of the winery hop is finding those signature dishes, right? Yeah, no, signature dishes. I mean, that's, that's and that's the other story, the other side of wine is food and wine, right? Um, you drink a wine and it's not just thinking, oh yeah, this is great. Or, all right, you drink beer, it's like, ah, this is, you know, I love the hops in this, right? Uh, you immediately, when you drink a wine, you're immediately thinking about the things that you can pair it with, uh, because you can, you're, because you're building that experience and, uh, you want to engage as much of the five senses as possible in that experience. And a huge part of that obviously is taste and smell and, uh, which you get partly from the wines, partly from the food. And then when they come together, you know, that's, that's the real experience that people talk about when they talk about a great bottle of wine. Well said. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, Chris, I know you got to jet out of here pretty soon, man. We appreciate you coming in and uh, educating folks on, on what you do and a little bit more about wine, expanding those horizons a little bit. Um, 
please uh, let the audience know how they can get in touch with you, you know, how they can find you on the internet, all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I love connecting with people. So uh, the best place to connect with me right now is on Instagram. That's just at the real Chris Levy, K-R-I-S-L-E-V-Y. Um, you can also check out the club at chrislevy.co slash wine club, K-R-I-S-L-E-V-Y.co slash wine club. And um, those are the two best places to, to check out the club or, or connect with me. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. But um, yeah, I, I love connecting with people, just having conversations. Um, you know, feel free to shoot me a message or, or even shoot me an email. Um, Chris at chrislevy.co. Um, I love just chatting with people. So, you know, drop me a line and let, let's talk. Rock and roll, man. All right, brother. Thank you again. And uh, we'd love to have you back on uh, as you progress to kind of check in a little bit. We'll let you get out of here. Everybody, thank you again for listening in. You know, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff where where podcast platforms are at and, of course, YouTube. So have a good one, everybody. Bam. Thanks, everybody.